father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast, episode 276. I'm your host, Coach Kevin Furtado. Today, we have Coach Don Showalter. Today, he is 10-time USA Basketball gold medalist head coach, and he's the coach director for youth and sport development at USA Basketball. Today, uh, our topic is his new book coming out, Cornfields to Gold Medals, the story of Coach Don Showalter and 10 gold lessons in leadership. I'm so excited to be learning some great lessons, some great mind candy from Coach Showalter. A high school coach, 42 years with 601 wins. Showalter owns a perfect 62-0 record at the helm of USA Basketball, U16 and U17 team since the inaugural U16 competition in 2009. In 10 years, he coached over 50 NBA players on the USA Junior national team. Showalter has been recognized by numerous organizations for his dedication to the game. In 2020, he was named one of the 100 most influential people in men's college basketball. I know here he's going to give us uh, some great information on how to be a better coach and teach life lessons. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Don Showalter. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, I have a great honor today. Uh, episode 276, Don. So I've been doing a few of these. Wow. Good for you. Um, I love talking to coaches from all over the country and so forth. We got one of the best right here. Uh, we got Coach Don Showalter. Um, he's the uh, coach director for youth and sport development for USA Basketball, which many of you coaches already know that. But I don't know if you already know that he's got a new book coming out. Uh, cornfields to gold medals, the story of coach Don Showalter and 10 gold lessons in leadership. So I, I, I want him to get right into it. But before we do that, coach, share a little bit about you and your great experiences. Uh, you know, a farm boy growing up in Iowa. Yeah. You know, I, and then the book is kind of a takeoff. Actually, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not writing the book myself. Obviously I, I wouldn't be a good enough writer to do that. So, uh, a really a good friend of mine that I uh, I've met wanted to do wanted to do the book and uh, so he's taken off and and uh, uh, I think it'll be very it, it was fun for him to to uh, get all the details and, and fun to look back on some of those but yeah I grew up on a farm uh, just south of Iowa City Iowa and uh, kind of always always really loved uh, loved basketball baseball whatever was in season I loved and I had four brothers. Uh, all younger. Uh, one was two years younger and then my youngest brother was 16 years younger. So didn't have a lot of interaction with him growing up, but uh, you know, we, we were a typical Midwest family. We worked hard and uh, my dad, both my dad and mom were, I, would, I wouldn't say uh, they were sports fans. 
they, but they, they really weren't into uh, giving me a lot of direction on, on which way I should go. They kind of let me figure it out myself. And I, I go back to how great that was for me to kind of be not, not having uh, my dad or my mom push me in a direction. And I think too many parents these days, I think, you know, uh, they, they maybe push their kids into thinking they're going to be a, an NBA all-star or a major league baseball player. And, and really, you know, kids will figure out what they like to do. And I think it's really important that they, that they do what they love to do. I mean, I love basketball. Uh, that was my, that was my sport. I go out by myself, uh, scoop off the driveway, get the, get the snow off of that. You know, like a lot of us did yeah. uh, in those days and, and just shoot baskets and shoot baskets and shoot baskets. And so uh, I knew that at some point pretty young that I was going to stay in game of basketball uh, and, you know, as a young player, when you're six or seven, you think it's everybody's going to, you're going to be in the NBA. And then pretty soon you figure out, well, that's probably not going to be true. And then you figure, well, maybe I could go to a major high level, major D one school. And then you figure out, well, I'm not quite good enough for that either. So, so those things all kind of played in part, but um, I really give a lot of credit to my, my dad who's since passed away and my mom's still living, but uh, you know, they just encouraged me and, you know, they made themselves available. We, we lived, uh, about 15 miles, 10 to 15 miles from Iowa City uh, or other small towns where, where we had, you know, where we could play. Um, but they've made sure I got to practices and, and there was never any doubt that the support was there. And, uh, you know, they never critiqued me. I love that. I mean, they never critiqued me what I did and, and uh, they just love the sports as well. So that was kind of my upbringing uh, and the basis of the book cornfields to gold medals yes and you know you funny you mentioned about all having faults uh, i know i was i grew up i always wanted to be like mark price yeah my idol growing up man i just love shooter absolutely on that yeah. but what i loved about him was i can relate to him wasn't yeah. you know what i'm saying i mean he's a unbelievable hard worker and so forth and just had a great passion for the game as he played but then i, I realized you know it's like after junior college, no, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, but um, when do kids, when did you find out like when coaching was what you're going to be doing? Is there a moment in your life when you said, Hey, you know, this is, I, I, I consider myself really a good teacher of the game. Yeah. I think it was kind of an evolving thing because, you know, you, you want to play for as long as you can, you know, as a young kid, you know, you want to just keep playing the game for as long as you can. And, and, uh, you know, we, we, we grew up in a rural area. So, um, you know, as, as maybe a lot of kids in the Midwest at that time, you don't really know how good you are until you play against other really good players. So I always wanted to play against other kids, older kids. And, and then, and then uh, I think probably one of the big questions that I answered at a young age was, well, what, what do you, what do you want to do to stay in sports? And, you know, kind of the natural reaction for me was, hey, I want to coach. I, I, I had a coach when I was about 12 years old, 11 year old that I just, just loved, adored. Uh, he was he was had a lot of influence on me. Uh, and then as I progressed into high school, my high school coach was amazing. Um, I, I got, got to really put my get my feet wet with him as far as what I could do and, and my talent level. And then. Uh, going on to college, I played for a Hall of Famer at Warburg College. 
And uh, so I think it was just a kind of a natural uh, situation where you want to stay in athletics or what do you want to go into? And coaching for me was uh, coaching and teaching for me was really, really what I wanted to do. Yeah. Before we get into it, uh, you were, a lot of people don't realize that you're an unbelievable coach in Iowa. And uh, tell us about kind of a little bit about your journey there uh, as a high school coach in Iowa. You did a fabulous job building some programs. Yeah, well, really, I coached at four different schools. Uh, uh, you, you never, I tell young coaches all the time, you, you don't, don't try and plot out where you're going to get to because mm-hmm. it just doesn't, you know, opportunities come about. And, it, and the number one thing I would say to young coaches is do a great job of where you're at. You know, if you're a seventh grade girls coach, you better do a great job coaching those seventh grade girls because you may not get a chance to coach another place or another level if you don't do a good job. So, <clears throat> so I, I tell coaches that all the time. But uh, the four the four schools I was at, one was right out of college. Uh, the school was like zero and thirty six uh, the previous two years before I got there, and I, you know. Uh, stupid me I thought well we're going to turn this thing around right away and uh, uh, we did win some games but you know it, it was a situation where you really go in and try and change a culture and great experience for a young coach uh, as a head coach I never was an assistant coach uh, but as a head coach which I really wanted right away uh, uh, they they had not done very well for so long and whatever we did was great and uh, so two years there was was kind of established a program a little bit. Then I went to another school for eight years. Uh, and, and that was a different, different beast. They already had a really good program. They've been to the state tournament several times. So uh, I just had to take it and kind of take that culture and go with it and, uh, and not change a whole lot, just put my own stamp on it. So that was a completely different uh, situation from the first, from my first job. Then my third job, I went back to my alma mater. And I, I said, I'd never do that. I don't want to go back to my alma mater. Too many people I know there, uh, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And when they offered, uh, they offered me the job in summertime, um, I hesitated a little bit. Then they offered a job to my wife as a kindergarten teacher. I really think what happened is they wanted her more than they wanted me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so we, uh, we, yeah. So we decided to go back to my alma mater, Mid Prairie, um, uh, which had done, you know, when I played there, we were in state tournament. Uh, the coach there was great. He had moved on. Um, I didn't replace him. I replaced the guy that replaced the coach, which is probably better. Uh, but I was there 28 years. And, uh, uh, you know, we had our ups and downs, but most of them were up. And, uh, again, it was a it was a situation where you you really establish your culture and, and keep the kids going in the, in, the, in the right direction, both on and off the court. And then I ended up at Iowa City High, right here in Iowa City, which was a great uh, situation. It, they had a great athletic program at, at City High. In fact, it was ranked in the top 50 in the country as far as total athletic programs, but their basketball program was not very good. And so, again, now I'm going in and having to change the culture of that a little bit. Very diverse school, which I love. Uh, uh, some really great athletes, just not very good basketball players. And so I had a, really had a, a culture change there with some of, with some of the you know, younger programs to get them, get them going. So of the four programs I had, I, two were pretty established. Two, we had to really build. And that's, uh, that was fun for me. Uh, 
And then, of course, I went full time with USA Basketball in 2016, 17. And I still coached uh, with USA Basketball during that time as well. So had a lot of had a lot of fun coaching high school basketball. Uh, I think the main thing I learned, I mean, you just every year is different. Every team is different. And, you know, as you know, every day is different. <laughs> you're going to come and try and you know you're, you're trying to coach kids who who maybe just had a break up with their girlfriend and are devastated and or had a uh, a knockout drag out with uh with a good friend of theirs so you know you're trying to put put uh each day you're trying to make a little bit of an influence on on each and every kid and i i really enjoyed that yeah that's a great that's a great story right there don and 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 i'm currently building a new program here. I left the school that I was at for five years and we're starting from scratch. We're actually trying to create the culture and everything. And, and we're doing, we're doing good. We have a lot of freshman kids, a lot yeah. of youth, and that's always good. Yeah. Um, we actually play the number five team in the state tomorrow night. Oh, wow. And, uh, he's a good, my the coach is a good friend of mine. Of course, they're always good friends when they beat you, right? Sure, sure, exactly. <laughs> they like to see you, don't they? I've yeah, been there, we're, done play that. <laughs> <laughs> we're playing at their place. I have two starters out. Uh, so, but you know what? It's like, I'm, I'm, you know, I want you to give me some feedback here really quick. Uh, it's, it's, you go in there saying, you know, we're going to outcompete them, right? I mean, it's never like the scoreboard. Uh, and I, and sometimes with kids, some we get so caught up in the scoreboard, right. but you never know what can happen if you out-effort a team. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that, that always helped me out, and, and I don't even know who I got this from, but but when we when we were when we were building programs at, at especially like at City High, I, I didn't know enough when I was a lone tree. I was only out of college for the first two years. So, you know, I thought I knew everything there, but <laughs> I really didn't know anything. Uh, but we we would make the game we we would make the games short games. All right, next, the next three minutes, let, let's see if we can, let's see if we can win the next three minutes yeah. uh, or the next four minutes. So we really made it, we really chopped the games up into segments and then, and then see how we did each segment. And I, I think that gave the kids confidence and Hey, look, you know, we, we, you know, we, we won by two this segment. Uh, you know, we might've got beat by 20, the other segment, but Hey, this segment, you know, we get, we won by two. So let's hang our hat on that and see what we did well and, and go from there. So I think when, when, when the kids view it not as an entire game situation, but they view it, the game in certain segments that they can win certain segments, I think it, it gets more competitive to them as well. They're not, they're not so worried about the overall score as they are the score you know, for those next four minutes. Yeah, and have realistic goals, right, correct? Uh, right, Coach? I mean yeah. – um, we have, you know, we do a lot of crazy things and I, a lot of these ideas I actually, uh, got from you as well. For example, we have what we call our positive touches. So, you know, we have awards for kids who are given the most positive connections, positive touches. The kids love that. And we honor that after the game, we have a Windex rebound ward, uh, for the most yeah. box outs. So yeah. those are things that you, I know you believe in yeah. little intangible things, right? Absolutely. You know, and that gives that gives players something other than the final score to hang their hat on to say, Hey, you know what? Uh, we, we did a great job of boxing out tonight, you know, uh, specifically maybe, maybe Melissa had so many, she was a Windex player of the, of the game or, or, you know, positive touches is huge. I know I go back to Steph Curry and the Warriors when they, 
every I think they have the most somebody did a survey or count on that and the Warriors always come up with the most positive touches in a game uh in first season so I think that goes a long way not only in building confidence and, and but it goes a long way in, in making great teammates mm-hmm. it goes a long way in doing I say doing the things that take no talent what takes no talent you know attitude coachability body language giving positive feedback uh, those are all those take no talent all right let's be really good at those getting on the floor after loose basketball you know uh trying to take you know a charge or two a game getting some deflections those those really don't take a lot of talent and i think when you emphasize that part of it uh, I, I think then they can respond a little bit different uh than when you when your only out go, outcome is is the final score yeah, it just takes a lot of pressure off him, right? Uh, yeah. I know Ann and Baker I spoke with recently, uh, he says it's not talent. It's like be talented in a particular area. Uh, just yeah. take talent. Hey, let's talk about your book, uh, yeah. 10 Lessons. Can you, you know, uh, I know you're full of stories, Don. So uh, can you talk about uh, each one of those lessons to uh, uh, help me and help our coaches who are listening? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit different though. The, the, the lesson, the goal lessons come after, uh, after each chapter. Okay. And so the, the chapters, Pete Van, Vandermeulen did a, uh, uh, Van Mullen did a great job of, he's still our publisher is writing a book now, but, uh, Pete, uh, he, he's a, he's a professor for Lewis and Clark college, a sports professor. He's writing the book and, and he wanted to give some leadership lessons at the end of each chapter. So, so the end of each chapter has kind of a leadership lessons that spell out the word gold, G-O-L-D. And so uh, uh, it, it'll, it'll phrase different terms, different words for G, for O, for L, for D uh, at the end of each chapter, depending on where, where he was at in, in my life's coaching uh, area. So, uh, you know, just you know, a lot of the things that, that happened in the book come with USA basketball toward the end, toward when I was coaching that for 10 years. But, you know, a lot of those are leadership lessons, like, uh, you know, he'll explain what, what our communication circle is, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and G might be, uh, you know, just get kids on the same wavelength as far as communication, how we do that. Uh, You know, so, so those lessons are at the end of each chapter and, and I think they're really, really good for coaches, just the leadership part to it, but also how to develop leaders on your team. I think, you know, one of the things we as coaches forget about sometimes is that, uh, you know, we, we're teachers first. Uh, we teach the game um, and, and good, good coaches are good teachers. Uh, there's no question about it. In fact, I, one of the things I always say is that the game is overcoached and undertaught. <laughs> for sure. You know, I, I think too many coaches – are try to really try to really overcoach the game, telling kids, uh, making their team uh, just be too robotic. You know, you're doing this and this and this rather than letting them play. And uh, you know, when we really teach the game, uh, we 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 give them and let them figure things out. And that's why I'm so uh, you know I do we do a lot of three on three with our junior national team in practices just to let them figure things out, play a lot of cutthroat type of games where competitive, competitive juices get flowing. And, and that's a great way to teach the game. 
learned a lot of this from obviously working John Wooden's camps for many, many years at UCLA in California for, for about 20 years. Uh, and then, and of course, uh, my own Snow Valley basketball school uh, I have here is really a teaching school. So a, a lot of things that I think are really important came from John Wooden's camps from Snow Valley basketball school. Uh, just, just going to clinics as a young coach, you know, how many, as a young coach, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of the, I'm right. I'm really dating myself here, obviously, but you know, I couldn't just go on the internet and figure out, you know, get drills and stuff. That's just not the way we did it. But I think it helped from the standpoint that I developed relationships, uh, personal relationships with coaches who were at clinics, right. uh, work, work tons of camps as a, as a young coach. I mean, I love that camp atmosphere, getting to know coaches and, and young coaches just don't do that as much anymore. They're, it's too easy to go to the internet, and figure that out. So when I say that basketball is overcoached, undertaught, I think we, we as coaches tend to, tend to uh, try to dictate everything that goes on. And, and I, I'm sure you know, but uh, in reality, we as coaches, we, ha we, don't, we have very little influence on what happens in the game. I mean, we do, but we, we don't, you know, kids kind of do their own. I mean, they, they do what they're taught to do, you know, in practices. And, you know, we think we have a lot of control over our players in game situations where uh, we probably don't have near as much as we think we do. Uh, and that's where the teaching comes in. We teach kids how to play the game and, and go from there. So that's kind of that's kind of in a nutshell where where I got a lot of my ideas from. And and I think, you know, as you know, we all have to have good mentors. You know, who you know, who's who's a mentor I had growing up. I had a lot of coaches that I really look to to for as a mentorship uh bounce things off of when things you know when you have a four game losing streak you think right. you know you think the sky is going to fall and uh you know you have to have somebody hey it's you know it's going to be okay you just stay with what you're doing and type thing so uh the mentorship is really a, a huge thing as well yeah do you think coaches nowadays are too competitive with each other everybody's trying to win nobody wants to this year and i i know i really seek out my podcast is kind of really taught me that man there's so many yeah. great coaches out there yeah uh and I, I am not afraid of honest feedback i think sometimes we are right oh no question <laughs> that's like hey what you know? yeah <laughs> we, you know, we, we get on the defensive right away yeah you know and i think as a young coach um i i you know as young coaches i think we you know we just have a lot we have a lot a lot to learn from the coaching standpoint, but we, but the thing about young coaches is I think all of us as young coaches are so uh, intent on learning and uh, being, you know, being learning the game and how you, so uh, I was always willing to, to you know, want feedback. And uh, uh, I think the older I got, probably uh, I still want to, I still want great feedback. Uh, I, I just wanted it. I just wanted it in different ways and different form. Uh, the feedback. And, and, and what I say in that is, you know, I, I'd like to have coaches come and watch my practice. All right. Give me, give me some things that you as a coach that you would do different in my practice or what things you liked about my practices. So I think those are things that, you know, really caught my attention and, and uh, probably made me improve as much as anything. Yeah. There's a great coach out here and, um, and, and he comes every once in a while, observes my practice, and he go, I go, Coach, man, we're just not, we're just not shooting very good. He goes, All right, how much do you work on shooting technique? Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, not enough. So yeah. that really changed my 
course, even though I've been doing this a long time, like sometimes we think we're doing it right. Right, Don? It's like, hey, I need to spend more time on the technique, on the grip, on the stance, right? And get them more reps. Absolutely. Yeah, you know that, you know, I, I think, and that's why a mentor is so good because uh, you or having other coaches that going to a clinic and, and you not the not so much the clinic speaker you get a lot out of you you build camaraderie with other coaches and that's how you bounce things off other coaches and you don't get a feel for what you're doing and, and a lot of things that I always say that, that we do we just want confirmation that we're doing you know that we're doing things uh in in, in the right way I, I get a kick out of the fact I go to, I get a chance to go to a lot of practices, uh, both high school and college practices when I'm out, out evaluating players and, and all the coaches, I mean, even the great ones like, like Jay Wright and, and uh, you know, Tom Izzo, when I tell them I'm at somebody else's practice, well, you know, what they do, how, you know, how is their practice? You know, yeah. they want to know because they don't go see anybody else's practices. Right. They don't know, you know, so I always found that intriguing how they want, they were always really concerned about how, all right, how this guy, you know, what were his practices like and stuff. So, so I, I thought that was, that's a funny, funny type of thing, how even the best of the best uh, always, always need to be, have some confirmation that, you know, what they're doing is really good. And obviously sometimes the scoreboard uh, or the, or the one loss record will indicate you're doing things the right way, but not all the time either. Uh, you know, you, you can be doing things maybe that you could be doing better, but, but your one loss record kind of skews it up. You, if you had a great season, you think, you know, you think, Hey, this is, this is, a, this is everything, everything is the right way to do it. And it, which is really, you can do it a lot better than what you did because uh, you know, when, when you have a team that's maybe not quite as talented, you'll figure it out. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, <coughs> even when you're not winning, you could be doing an absolute great uh, job getting the maximum out of, out of players and so forth. I see that all the time. Hey, you yes. mentioned a lot about hard work, Don, and um, that's really key. I think it's kind of underrated. It, it, it should be like an ex, you know, an automatic for coaches and, and players, but is it? Are we working hard enough as coaches and players? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I think you need to define what hard work is. I don't think, you know, I don't think players understand really what hard work is. I mean, hard work is just the, I call it the price of admission. You know, I mean, everybody's, everybody should be working hard. I mean, you're, you know, what are you going to do that's maybe extra that other players are not doing? And that's not necessarily a time factor. I think when we say work hard, it's like, you know, we're going to spend 12, 15 hours a day working on our, uh, you know, working on coaching or, or playing. That's not necessarily true. I think, Working hard is, is really what you do in the time allotted. And, and, and uh, I think preparation is huge for coaches uh, as well. You know how, you know, John Wooden always said he, he spent as much time preparing for a practice as the practice lasted. So he'd, he'd spend two hours plus preparing for practice for a two hour practice. Right. And, uh, um, I, you know, I got to be where I, I took a lot of notes during practice on my practice schedule. So I'd have a pen with me all the time and some, some drill I wanted to emphasize or, or some player I wanted to emphasize in that drill. I mean, I would write it down. So I had something to refer back to after that practice. And 
Uh, I still have every practice. <laughs> For 42 years of coaching basketball, I have every practice that, uh, that I, that I done. And there's still boxes that in, in the garage that my wife says, get rid of, but I said, no, nah, not yet. <laughs> exactly. uh, so so I, I think that, you know, hard work is something and, and players don't really understand what hard work is. I think that's one of the things we as a coach need to, need to, need to uh, really get across to our players. Here's what hard work looks like. Uh, you know, they just think if they're in a gym, that's hard work. No, here's what hard work looks like. And, and we have to get them out of their comfort zone. You know, one of my big, I have four USA basketball. I came up with four big C's of, of, uh, of basketball. And one of them is comfort zone. Get your players out of your comfort zone. We as a coach need to be out of our comfort zone. Right. You know, we're not, we're not going to improve, you know, comfort zones, a great place to be. I say, but nothing grows there. You're stagnant. And so what are you going to do to get out of your comfort zone? And I think we have to show players, here's how you get out of your comfort zone. Maybe competitive drills, maybe, you know, it might be 6am practices once in a while. It might be, yeah. you know, it might be uh, just drill where you, drills where you go as hard as you can for a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes comfort zone involves, all right, uh, practice uh, work is not going the way you want it. You're out of here. We're not doing that. You know, we go for first 30 minutes and it's not going the way you want to. Maybe, maybe you kick them all out of practice. That's out of their comfort zone. Right. Or, you know, uh, so I think there's different ways to get them out of their comfort zone. And I think they have to understand here's what hard work looks like. And uh, that's why I like to take my players, you know, to, to watch maybe a, a college practice or uh, something where they can see really that, that you know, there's no downtime to a practice session. Uh, there is no, there's no, uh, the pace is, the pace of the practice session is not guided by the players it's guided by the coach and right. so you have a, the pace is always at, at a high level so uh so anything we can do out of the comfort zone i think really uh helps with players improving their game and, and getting to a getting to a better spot that they're that they're used to coach talk about what well, term you use is mind candy and i just love that term matter of fact i need as much mind candy as anybody <laughs> um but talk about something that can help us high school coaches out at this time in the year. I mean, we're in January, you've been yeah. there. Uh, it's yeah. a grind right now. Yeah. Um, I think the, the coaches that really survive at this time love working with kids and have tremendous passion. A lot of coaches right now are burnt out. I don't even believe in that term. So yeah. give us some mind candy for this time of year to help us coaches out. Well, I mean, one of my one of my favorite mind candies, and if anybody follows me on Twitter, it's at dshow23, and I give a lot of mind candies on my Twitter account. But uh, I always say, that coach, coaches need to bring two things every day to practice, and that's enthusiasm and passion. If you don't bring those two things in practice every day, you're you are literally cheating your players. Right. Uh, you know. They're, they're not going to have enthusiasm. They're not going to have a love for the game unless you show that love for the game by your enthusiasm and passion. Uh, I, I think as I, the longer I coached, the more I realized this was, this was really a significant piece to coaching. I mean, if you come out, if you come out and just run a drill and you're standing at the half court line with your arms crossed and not saying much, you know, that drill is going to be 
it's not going to be very good. Right. And so I think you come out with enthusiasm and you've had some bad days. We, you know, we coaches, we don't have great days all the time. You know, we might just been to our what, principal's office or had a, had a, <clears throat> had a conversation with a parent or, you know, well, my, <clears throat> my assistant coach can't make it that day for some reason, you know, just a lot of various things. But, but when the practice starts, you bring enthusiasm, you bring passion for what you do. That has a lot that will overcome a lot of things that that your players, uh, a lot of negatives that your players may have. You know, they're coming the same thing you are. You don't know how they're coming into practice. And so I think you spend the first five or 10 minutes of every practice getting them ready to practice. How do you get them ready to practice? You know, they, they got to they gotta clear their minds. They got to clear themselves to be ready to practice. And so sometimes I think we as coaches, we come right in and go right into a practice session and not get the kids ready to practice. Uh, you know, we may have, I always had a short team meeting for practice. Uh, we cover mind candy. We'd have a notebook. They'd write it into it. We'd relate how that mind candy would, <clears throat> would help us, would help our team. <clears throat> so you're getting their minds ready for the, for the practice session. And, and uh, you know, there's a couple of drills that we always did to get their, physically ready to, for practice session. I think when we started to do that with team meetings and, and certain drills, it, I, I think our practices went much, much better. Kids kind of forgot about what was going on outside the practice session. And then we emphasize, and I think as coaches, sometimes we think players, uh, basketball is probably not as important to every player on your team as you think it is. True, true. You know, I mean, there, there are some kids that, that, that breathe it and diet, but there's other kids who, you know what, when it's over, it's over. Yeah. So we are very, uh, we're, we're very at, at every level, even with our junior national team, USA basketball team, we always say, give when this, you give this two hours, all you got. It's all we ask when that's two hours is up. You do your own thing. You, you go home, you maybe study, you get on your, you know, play a video game, whatever it is. And, and but these two hours now, you got to give me everything you got for these two hours. And I think just from the mindset that has really helped our players come every day to practice, knowing that you know, coach doesn't expect me to give four hours, he expects me to give two hours or an hour and a half, whatever practice session is. And I think during this time of season, too, you know, you cut down your practices a little bit, so and right. you're really emphasizing just give me 90 minutes. And so kids can understand, they can relate to that. They can't relate to giving, hey, you know, four hours, uh, give me an hour of practice and three hours of film. That, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. That just, isn't, that just isn't working. And so I, I think that has really been uh, something that we've emphasized. Absolutely. Of course, you can hear our announcement. Sorry about that. I just remember like the old days. Hey, I know you got to go. Um, hey, give us one. Talk about your book and how we can get how we can get it when it's coming out, yep. and give us one great story about your experience with USA basketball. And I know you have some with some great players you have worked with. Yeah, the the, the book uh, we're, has been turned over to the uh, publisher, so we got a publisher. It should be out uh, probably next August uh, or, or around about there anyway. So uh, looking forward to it. I mean, it'll be on Amazon. It'll be on, on uh, uh, every major 
you know, book outlets that you can get it on. Just Google, Google, Google the book, uh, book's name, uh, Cornfields to Gold Medals, and I'm sure it'll come up. Um, and then, you know, I, I think the several, several really great stories, but, you know, we, we, we've cut players that are now in the NBA that are making millions of bucks. Uh, uh, we, you know, we've cut them as 16 year olds. Um, Brad Beal is probably one of my favorite players, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, just a great story with him as far as his work ethic was, was second to none. I mean, that's how he got to where he is today. Uh, Justice Winslow, who <clears throat> was in, in, in the NBA, obviously had some injuries here yeah. for the Clippers now, but we cut him as a U16 player. And a great story about him is after we cut him, uh, you know, he didn't play the blame game. He didn't say uh, coaches are stupid and his teammates didn't help him. He just went back. He said, I got work to do. He went back to Houston, worked hard, came back the next year. We invited him back for tryouts, made our team. Actually ended up starting for us and was in the was in the all tournament team of the world championship. So he's one of the five best U17 kids in the whole world. And, and I just use that story all the time about how he wasn't even he was cut, but you know he didn't play the blame game. He understood what he had to do. Uh, Colin Sexton is another great example like that too. Where we didn't invite him as a U16 player. So so a lot of resilience there. I think those kids showed. Uh, you know the great players show a lot of resilience. And that's what we, we always emphasize as one of our pillars for evaluating players. How resilient are you? And that goes for both on and off the court. Yeah, absolutely love that. And Don, I sure appreciate you coming on. I know I'm going to, I'll be honest with you, I think I paid your mortgage for how many things I bought from you. <laughs> but you should be thanking me for that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I always appreciate you, man. You uh, give me all that mind candy and so forth. And thanks for... Um, helping me and all these coaches out over the years. Well, you know, it's one thing. Basketball coaches are, we help each other. I always say football coaches, they don't want to help each other. They're, <laughs> it's their own, they're all, you know, they don't think, they think whatever they do is unique. But basketball coaches, I we love to help each other. And, and that's how somebody's <laughs> helped me along the way. And I just want to pass it on. Yeah, absolutely. And you're still part of the championship vision family, Don. So I really appreciate it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, but uh, appreciate you on. Yeah, you do a great job with your podcast. I know you have a ton of them, and I just I'm honored to be uh, just one of the one of the many that you have on your podcast. Yeah, thanks again, Coach. I really appreciate it, and good luck with uh, everything you're doing with USA uh, basketball. Continue, continue luck with that. I appreciate hey, it. Good luck. Good luck to you tomorrow night. Yeah, I'll text you on how we do, man. Text me. Let me know. Okay. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thanks. At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. 
Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish Home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer. Coaches, this is Coach Matt Dennis, and I'm truly excited and blessed to join Coach Furtado on the Championship Vision Podcast. If you're a coach looking to get better at your craft, you're really going to love this episode. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out other episodes on the podcast, as well as to head over to CoachMattDennis.com, where you can join my newsletter and sign up for a free trial of the Coaching Lab, where my goal is to help coaches find more success in less time.